You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Hi everyone and welcome to the Jewish Matters podcast. And today we are at the third installment of Genesis Unveiled, the story of Avraham, the spiritual seeker. And who were Avraham and Sarah? They were the first Jews, one could say, the inception of the Jewish people. And so we start a new section of the Torah in this third parsha. Avram and Sarah were the power couple. They brought people into their home, created an entire spiritual movement of thousands of followers. Avram was recognized by his neighbors as a prince and a wealthy person. He made alliances with his neighbors. He uh, spearheaded a delta force strike against warring kings to free his brother-in-law. And on the human side, Avram and Sarah struggled to have children. But most of all, it will be said that he is known for his qualities of uh, tzedek umishpat, righteousness and justice. So, the Parsha begins with Lech Lecha, with Abraham's journey, Abraham setting out on a travel. And What's curious is that we see very little about Avraham before he sets out on his journey. Who was he? Why did God choose him? And it's not found in the Torah. So here we have to turn to the oral Torah, to the Midrash. And the Midrash fills in the picture. Maimonides telling over of it is that at the age of three, Abraham already was starting to question the world, questioning how the world got here, questioning whether there was a God. And Maimonides says, by the time Abraham reached 40, he came to the belief in God, the creator. And uh, his society, though, had a radically different belief. His society was a uh, society of idol worship. So besides being a truth seeker, Abraham became an iconoclast. He broke away from the beliefs of his society. The famous story told in the Midrash, his father had an idol store. One day he leaves Abraham in charge. He goes out, comes back. All the idols are destroyed. They're wrecked. And uh, except for one that had the hammer in its hand. And the father's very upset, says to Avraham, what, what happened here? I left you in charge. And he said, well, the idols were fighting. And one of them, this idol destroyed the others. And the father says, oh, don't be silly. Those uh, they can't do anything. Couldn't have been that. And Abraham said, exactly my point. So he, um, because of that, he was arrested. Uh, idolatry was a state religion. And his life was put on the line. Either he had to uh, believe, bow down to the gods or give up his life and Abraham was ready to do so. Miraculously, he was saved from the furnace. And it says he was from Ur Kazdim. Ur, according to the rabbis, could be the or the light, the fire of the furnace. But it also refers, of course, to the Fertile Crescent, to Iraq, where he was from. So Abraham broke away from all of that. Question is, why isn't it mentioned in the Torah? And here's a fundamental principle, which Nachmanides says, 
is that the Torah didn't want to get embroiled in all of these false beliefs and the idolatry in Abraham having to break away from it. It wanted to start it fresh from when Abraham was going forward into his new journey towards God. And so that's why the Torah begins there. Now, what's very puzzling is at the end of Noah, the previous Parsha, there is a background that Terah, Abram's father, took him and his wife Sarah and the brother-in-law Lot and they journeyed to the land of Canaan. And this is very puzzling because did this occur before Abraham was told to leave his father's house? It must have because he didn't leave his father yet, according to Nachmanides. So it appears that Terah already set out for Canaan. Why? It's not clear. Uh, I saw it proposed that, and if this makes sense, that perhaps after seeing his son miraculously saved, Terach, his father, who originally turned him in, now had a and started the journey towards monotheism. And Canaan is where, we will see later, Melchizedek, uh, who the rabbis say, this righteous king of Shalem, which is Yerushalayim, the city of Jerusalem, been the center of monotheistic belief, going back to Shem being the son of Noah and going back to Adam. So is that code for the fact that Terah set out for the center of monotheism, started the journey, but then they stopped in Haran, which is halfway there, northern Syria. Terah remained there. Abraham continues on the journey. And this is where, according to Nachmanides, Abraham is told, Lech Lecha. Leave behind everything that you know. Now, very strange is that he's told, go from your land, your birthplace, and your father's house to the land I will show you. What's wrong with that? The order is wrong. If you're going to leave, first you walk out of your house, then you walk out of your town, and then you walk out of your country. So Rabbi Jonathan Sachs points out that Avram was told that he had to break away from the influences of his society. Sometimes to, go, to, to grow, to be on a spiritual journey, you need to evolve beyond certain aspects of your life, uh, certain things that you might have been brought up with, certain things that, uh, certain friendships that aren't taking you in a spiritual direction, certain places where you used to vacation, and no longer realize you no longer maybe should be taking that trip to Vegas. So in order to grow, you need to journey, spiritually journey, journey within in terms of personal transformation. And here we get to the next strange point. Abraham was told, what? Go to the land that I will show you. It's like you're being sent on a business trip. Uh, what is, where should I go? Just start driving and we'll tell you when you get there. Not very comforting, is it? Why did God tell him that? So first of all, it shows that in order to grow, you have to have trust. You have to tr trust the Almighty that uh, you're going to be sent to the people and to the places that will help you. You have to trust uh, primarily that a spiritual journey is a journey into the unknown. Why do people not change? People don't change because the pain I know is better than the potentially better unknown. 
we're afraid of change, we're afraid of the unknown. And so Avram is being told, you have to make that leap. You have to take chances. But he's being told, why do people not want to change? Because they're afraid they're going to lose themselves. So Avram's being told, no, you're not going to lose yourself. He's being told, lech lecha. What does lech lecha mean? Literally, it can mean, go to yourself. What does that mean? It means that by going on this journey, by changing your life, you will, in fact, find your true self. Maybe not the persona you've built till now, maybe not the familiar surroundings, which are comfortable, but your true inner self, the true you. Uh, that's the Zohar's explanation of it. Rashi says, Lech Lecha, go for your own sake, is that even though change is hard, God said, don't worry, I will bless you, that you will have everything that you need. God tells Abraham, I will take care of you, and you'll be provided for. So that's the, the journey that Abraham had to go on. Now, uh, Abraham is distinguished uh, by, as we said before, Sadaka Umishpat, that God says, Abraham, who I have uh, given a special role, why? Because I know that he will guide his children in the ways of Tzedek and Mishpat. So what does that mean? The distinguishing characteristics of Abraham are uh, the charity, the goodness that he did for others, the giving, opening up his tent, uh, which we, we'll see in next week's Parsha, invi and inviting in the guests, um, rescuing his brother-in-law Lot, even though Lot ditched him. Uh, and uh, that's in next week's. In this week, uh, we see that he... Um, this week we do see that he saves Lot, and... Uh, also, after he comes back with the spoils from the kings who had hijacked Lot, who had kidnapped him, he has an encounter with Malkitzedek. What does Malkitzedek mean? The king of righteousness, which, as I said before, uh, he is identified by the rabbis as Shem, the son of Noah. And Abraham says, I will give a tenth to you. And that is the origin of tzedakah, of tithing one's livelihood, and of giving charity. And the king of Sodom views things very differently. Malkitzedek is the man of God, and Abraham gives him the maser. Sodom views the saving of lives as a business transaction. Uh, Abraham had recaptured a lot of the slaves and a lot of the booty that belonged to the king of Sodom. He says, let's make a deal. You keep the stuff, I'll take it to people. And Avram gives it all back to him and says, I don't want it to be said that I benefited off of you. Complete integrity. That's what distinguishes Avraham. Now, uh, the rabbis tell us that Abraham was tested with 10 tests. What is a test? So you think a test is pass-fail. But actually, spiritual test is different. Nachmanides tells us that a spiritual test is a challenge someone is given to bring out their greatness, to allow them to shine, for them to show in adversity how they rise to the occasion. 
And so we'll see that the patriarchs and matriarchs were challenged in a lot of ways. Avram and Sarah had the challenge of not having children. And uh, we see them praying for children and eventually being blessed with children. God promises them we'll be blessed with children. But along the way, there will be a lot of uh, detours, including trying to have a child through a surrogate. Um, we'll get to that next week. But um, the first test is that Avram finally arrives in the place where God told him to go and brings offerings to God. And then what happens? There's a famine. No food. So imagine, you're told, okay, go to this place, you'll be blessed. And then you get there, and there's nothing. So, very challenging. Avram has to go down to Egypt. Sarah is put in danger. Pharaoh takes her. Then he's struck with a disease and sends Avram and Sarah out with great wealth. And um, the next, the rest of the Parsha, uh, we have the story of Avram going down to Egypt. We have the story of Lot, who has a run-in with Avraham. Lot and his shepherds are, get into an argument with Avram and his shepherds. And remember, Lot was Avraham's, at the same time, his nephew and his brother-in-law. Had traveled with him, seemingly was his disciple, but parts ways. And uh, uh, instead of getting into the fight, Avram says to him, take whatever you want, choose where you want to go. Um, and in essence, what Lot was saying is, I want to grow the business. And so, Uncle Abe, I can't stick around anymore. I need new horizons. I need new markets to, cult to develop. I feel limited here. So in essence, he chose his professional life over his family life. And he moves away. Where does he choose to move to? So this is also very telling. Abraham went on a spiritual journey, leaving behind everything he knew. And remember, if you're in the business of drawing people to God, uh, you will choose to be where there's most people, which was downtown Babylon, right? Where is Avram told to do? Go to Canaan, go to some backwater desert or mountainside where there's virtually no people. And next week we'll see him standing there waiting for people to walk by so he can invite them in. So what a test, right? Um, but Avram chooses that because he knows that's where he's going to grow spiritually. Lot, on the other hand, gets his freedom. Where does he go? He goes to Sodom. He goes to the place uh, of materialism. It says, watered like the Garden of Egypt, which really means a place of great... Uh, material prosperity, but as we're going to see, spiritually, morally bankrupt. And so it's very sad that Lot goes there. As we mentioned, even though Lot ditches Avraham, when he's kidnapped, Avraham will go and save him. And then the final scene is the, then there's the Brit, the Brit ben Habitarim. Uh, when Abraham is promised that he will have de descendants and he will have the land. And here, Abraham seems to falter. He says to God, how do I know that, my, that I will inherit the land? And the rabbis say he's, he was worried because he knew maybe he had merit, but what about in the future? What would be? And because of his uh, questioning God, the Talmud says, 
He's then told he's put into a deep sleep. He's told that your descendants will be strangers in a land that isn't theirs and will be oppressed. In other words, because of Abraham's lack of trust, his descendants will have to go through the crucible, the purification of Egypt, of the crucible of Egypt, uh, in order to actualize themselves, in order to rebuild that faith and trust which Abraham seems to have wavered in. But despite that, God does the covenant between the pieces, which was in in the ancient Near East. He would cut animals in two and walk between them. Avram walks between them and God's fiery pillar of fire goes through as well. And here we have the introduction of the idea of covenant. A covenant is a permanent uh, commitment to each other. Okay, And... um, God's promise that he will never forsake the Jewish people. And the, that is the spiritual covenant. The symbol of the covenant is the last section of this parsha, which is the commandment, Avram's commandment, to perform Brit Milah, to circumcise himself. And uh, there's much symbolism in there. Uh, it's showing, on the most basic level, says the Maharal, great Rabbi Loewe of Prague, that man is not created complete. We have steps to take to complete ourselves. And because the foreskin seemingly does not serve a purpose, uh, it's removed. And that is a sign that we also have to perfect ourselves spiritually, that there is still work to do. And so ends the Parsha with Brit Milah, with the promise of circumcision. Just one last note is that in God's original promise to Abraham, what does he tell him? He says to him, through you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. And if you think about this, there's two dynamics going on. One is that in this moment when Abraham is about to be the beginning of the formation of what will be a holy family, then a holy tribe, then a holy nation, at the same time, he's being told this mission which you are being sent on is for the entire world. That your teachings and your message needs to be spread out to the entire world. And as I mentioned, Mahmanides says that he had followers in the thousands or tens of thousands. It said when they left, uh, they left with the souls they had made in Haran meaning the people that they had drawn to to them, the movement they'd created. And uh, and so there's a universal mission to Avraham's journey, to his movement, which is to be a blessing to the entire world. And what's amazing, if you think about it, is that this promise to a chieftain living in a backwater of Canaan 3,900 years ago. Here we are, 3,900 years later, and over half the globe, right, close to 3 million people, billion people, follow the teachings of Abraham, albeit through other movements, through Christianity, through Islam, but they see themselves as the disciples of Abraham. And so what an incredible promise, what an unlikely promise, And what an incredible fulfillment of it for us to see 
uh, in the world the impact that the teachings of Abraham have had, the teachings of ethical monotheism, theism, the teachings of generosity and righteousness that are embodied in Avraham and Sarah. Have a good evening, and uh, I hope this makes uh, our parsha, our weekly Torah reading, more meaningful to us.